to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is talk radio to thrive by and uh, wow i want to welcome each and every one of you to the show today thank you so much for supporting us our message our journey and what we are about right in this moment and what we're about to do if you want to find out more about the show sign up for a newsletter find out about the special events and some of the other things that we're doing the pay it forward challenge the holistic makeover just check us out on the website www dr pat live dr pat live.com or the dr pat show.com t-h-e-d-r pat show.com i i want to i want to say something uh right now because today's show is so timely for me and uh for others and what i want to say is and i i hope i can say this uh say this you know right now i hope i could get this all out About a week ago, I discovered that a very dear friend of mine and and actually several weeks ago, someone that I've had on the show numerous, numerous times, numerous times, someone that I've learned to get to know very, very quickly in a short period of time, someone that had an incredibly powerful presence out in the world. Um... He was known for the work he did, uh, hypnotherapy work he did in in the sports arena. He coached and worked with many, many, many uh, champion athletes, uh, Olympians, uh, people in professional sports. And how how he passed away is still a mystery to so many of us. And myself... Uh, having spoken with him before the holidays, I was stunned to find out that my very dear friend, and uh, and I call him a rock star of talk radio, uh, passed away, and that's Pete Siegel. And when I found that out, I didn't actually know what to do. I didn't know what to say. I was stunned. I actually still to this day don't believe that it happened. And so for the past year, I've looked at what my life has been about. Who are the people that have made their transition, that have passed on? Who are the people that I've been close with that are no longer here? And, and honestly, I don't know what it is about our society or what it is about how we have grown up to understand death or how we've grown up to understand bereavement or loss. But I do know that there is a process, and it's an important conversation. Today, joining me, Dr. Christina uh, Zampatella is here because we're talking about this transition. We're talking about death, dying, and bereavement. 
you know, what does it mean? What do we do in situations? You know, death and bereavement, they're universal conditions. I mean, there's something that you just can't get away, get, get away from, and that is the dying. And yet our society continues to find ways to deny and defy these natural processes as a result. Uh, many bereaved people are disenfranchised, which means we can run the risk of not recognizing a bereaved individual's right to grieve, either overtly or covertly. Some organizations, even in the death and dying of a loved one, barely want you to take off from work, and yet you're, you're really being pushed so that the show goes on. Beyond all of that, you know, what are some of the responses? What are the bereavement responses? And so I'm so thrilled to have Dr. Christina Zampatella joining us here today because we're going to be talking about the process. And Dr. Dr. Zampatella is a licensed clinical psych- psychologist and, and she's someone here that specializes in death, dying, and bereavement. Uh, I believe that's called a thanatologist and I hope she corrects me there. She works with the assistant profession professor at the National University and is the president and CEO of Integrated Psychology and Assessment Services. Um, as the lead faculty and developer of postgraduate certification in bereavement studies, finally somebody's doing a program about it, uh, at the National University Center for Integrative Health. Dr. Zampatella aims to educate the public and train professional professionals who work with the bereaved. You know, we're talking with her as the author of multiple publications within the field of death, dying, and bereavement, and has dedicated a professional career to the fields of integrative psychology, and is joining us here today to understand what it means to go through the process, and more importantly, what it means when we don't. Uh, Dr. Zampatella, thank you so much for joining us here on the show today. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I just kind of gave you a little bit of information, uh, and, and certainly I was shocked when I found out Pete passed away. But yet death and dying is, you know, is the average everyday process of who we are. And yet we still don't allow for or help each other understand how to respond. What, what, what is it that's happening? How did we become so contained around this? You know, that's a really interesting question, and it's actually a a very uh, important question to ask. Up until about the Industrial Revolution, uh, death and dying was in the forefront of our society. We would place people in the parlors of our home, and it wasn't something that we would hide from our communities. And then after the Industrial Revolution, we began to uh, place people in hospitals and hide our deceased no longer being involved with the, the after-death care, uh, nor being involved with the, uh, the care of the dying person. As a result, it became a lot more sterilized. And you said it really well at the beginning of your introduction that we have become a death-denying culture. At one point, we were a lot more death-accepting. As time has moved on, we've attempted to hide it. We take our people who are sick and who are elderly, and we place them in homes. We place them in sterile, you know, hospital environments. They're surrounded by technology with a lack of human compassion and understanding. And I think that that has taken a toll on the 
way that we interact with those who are in the dying process and also how we interact with people who are bereaved. You know, this is some. This is really an interesting conversation. I, I'm not sure how we got to where we are. I mean, you know, have we have we sort of become more? What's the word? Desensitized to death and dying, or are we simply stuffing our feelings? I think that there's a combination of both of those. I mean, if we take a look at our media and how we uh, approach the concepts of death, dying, and bereavement. There is an understanding that the process is supposed to be quick. I mean, we've got a society that is based on, you know, immediate gratification and uh, a society that is based on also productivity. As a result of that, when we have people who are bereaved, there is a, unfortunately, a significant amount of disenfranchisement, as you mentioned a little bit earlier. We do have five different categories of disenfranchised losses. And that permeates our society across the board. I also think, going back to this death denial and death defying kind of mentality, that we are pushing our awareness of death away from the consciousness of our society. And not all societies are like that. Our culture is one of the types of cultures that makes it so that we do not allow ourselves to hold the awareness of death in the forefront of our consciousness. I think that's an unfortunate side effect of being a culture that does not want to embrace the death, dying, and bereavement process. Well, you know, it's part of, you know, the, the conversation I think that each of us is, is, is really longing to have. And, and that is, you know, this idea of losing someone, really feeling awful about it, and not knowing what to do do with it. But I mentioned a term that's called disenfranchised grief earlier. Mm-hmm. I, and, and, and I don't know that our listeners really know what that means or knows. I don't think we know how it shows up in our lives. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. And I can, I can kind of clarify that for you. You mentioned a little bit about how a disenfranchised loss is one that cannot be openly acknowledged. Mm-hmm. It's also one that cannot be publicly mourned or socially supported. Basically, the relationship can be deemed as uh, being unimportant, uh, replaceable, or even stigmatized. It can be openly ignored, openly rejected, or even disapproved of. So therefore, overall, the person is denied the right to grieve, denied the social support and the validation that is just so important for the person to be able to uh, pull their lives back together after the world has been shattered by the loss, because what ends up happening is after we have a loss of, a, of an important person in our lives or a, a loss of anything that's major, for example, a marriage or a, uh, a job of some sort, we, the way we understand ourselves in the world is, is done. You're no longer the person you were before the loss, and you're thrown into this limbo state with the understanding you're supposed to get through this bereavement process in a you know, short period of time, eventually to take this loss and integrate it back into who you are and figure out who you are after that. The problem is, if you have a loss that's not being socially accepted and socially supported and validated, that process of like reintegrating your loss into who you are now and redeveloping a definition of who you are doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And you get people who end up getting stuck in their bereavement process. And the different types of disenfranchised losses include where the relationship isn't recognized. So, uh, for example, you've got where the relationship is not kin-based, meaning it's not family. 
So they, these could be neighbors, colleagues at work. Uh, these could be foster parents and caregivers. We've got sometimes the loss itself isn't even recognized, like the loss of a pet, a miscarriage, loss of job. The third one is where the griever is not recognized, and this is where a lot of people try to protect children with the misunderstanding that children cannot understand death. Uh, children don't understand death the way that adults understand death, but they certainly do grieve, and that's an example. Uh, fourth is that the circumstances of the death can become overlooked, and this can be like a stigmatized loss such as AIDS, suicide, uh, overdose. And then finally, you've got how the individual grieves, which is really culturally based. If there is a person who is interacting with another person and the one person is reacting to the loss in a way that they would not react, often they can be denied the support of that other individual because they just don't understand that the person's way of grieving is different than their own. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And we don't, you know, look, we don't understand our differences in general in our society. Oh, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, you definitely. Know, let alone think about what we understand about our differences around grieving. So this is an important conversation. Uh, I want to mention to everyone, uh, we'll take your comments and questions if you want to get some assistance here as well. 1-800-930-2819. And when we come back, we're going to be talking with, um, you know, Dr. Christina. Zampatello, and we're going to be talking about what is that process? How do we how do we know when we're handling it okay, or when to get professional help? What are some of the normal responses? This and much more. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. What would your life be like if you could accomplish anything and everything you want? Join James Arthur Ray in Seattle, Spokane, and Vancouver, B.C. for the secret of attracting the life you want. Learn how your intentions create your reality during this free lecture. Go to thequantumdream.com to register for your free admission and information. James Ray will be in Vancouver, B.C. on March 10th, Seattle on March 11th, and Spokane on March 12th. Visit thequantumdream.com to register now. Hey, Benny, Dr. Pat's looking pretty good lately, don't you think? Yeah, you know what? I noticed that, too. Maybe she's got some new makeup. Nope, it's the ageless secret she's been using. It's an all-natural, organic, energetic cosmetic that's stronger than gravity. They say people that start using it look younger while they're getting older. It's made with purified water and special ingredients, including trace minerals, aloe, and MSM. Ageless secret. Do you think I should start using it? Sure, why not? And get me some, too. Hey, guys. Guys, I heard you talking about the ageless secret. You've got to try it. Just a few sprays of the light mist and my face feels tighter and smoother. The longer I've been using it, the better my results have become. You're going to absolutely love it. So go to agelesssecret.com or call 888-424-4247. That's agelesssecret.com or give them a shout at 888-424-4247 and get some now. How would you like to recession-proof yourself in 2009? Rich Gurman, one of America's most popular business and life coaches, can empower you to do just that. His affordable coaching programs will guide you to a lifestyle of great health, 
happiness and prosperity. Go to richgerman.com, spelled R-I-C-H-G-E-R-M-A-N.com to learn more about his popular Coaching 101 classes and mastermind groups. Rich Gurman will help you turn your dreams into reality. Are you suffering from chronic pain and fatigue? Are you tired of taking medications? There are solutions that are completely natural and effective. The key is to identify the root of the problem and allow your body, mind, and spirit to do the healing. At Holistique Medical Center, Dr. Darvish and her staff do just that. Treat you as an individual. Find the root cause of your symptoms and stimulate your innate healing. Call Holistique Medical Center at 425-451-0404 or visit drdarvish.com. That's drdarvish.com. Most of mankind's diseases are part of history, but few realize it at this time. A simple, inexpensive mineral supplement has the potential to change your life and your health. Go to thedrpatshow.com and listen to the interview with Jim Humble and Dennis Richard and learn the secrets of why your health is your choice. MMS, the miracle mineral supplement of the 21st century, can be purchased at mmsdr.com or call 760-536-6123. That's mmsdr.com. DR.com. Radio for your body, mind, and spirit. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. And so a part of this conversation, and I, this is so timely, for anybody out there that has entered into what I consider to be loss, uh, death and bereavement, and, you know, I'm just thrilled and honored to have Dr. Christina Zampatello joining us here today as someone who is, you know, one of their leaders in this field and is helping people across the country understand what it means to honor oneself during these times. And what some of the things, you know, what are some of the behaviors that I don't want to say, well, let's say disfranchise the grief process. Uh, Dr. Christina, thank you for joining us here today. I mean, there are so many questions that I, that I kind of threw out there before the other segment, but I really want to have a sense of this because, you know, some of us kind of grew up in families where we, we were taught to suck it up and suck it up really well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, others, others of us grew up in families where, you know, you would go to a funeral and it would be this big crying and then this big party and celebration. And you talk about Joe or Mary or whoever it was. And, and so really, what is the dilemma for us right now in our society? What, 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 is, what are we really being challenged with in terms of being um, disenfranchised? That's a great question as well. I, well, you know, I think a lot of people have a lot of, you know, good intentions on how to help the people that they care about getting through a loss. But mm-hmm. what ends up happening is that those, the reactions from other people can exacerbate the bereavement process so that you end up in what is called complicated bereavement, which I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about here in a little bit. What it can do is uh, intensify the emotional response, and it can create a concurrent crisis, which means it creates a crisis on top of the crisis of the loss by taking away that social support which makes the person end up feeling alone and lonely and make them grieve privately. And that's a problem. There's comments that people can make such as, like, when things like this happen, all you can do is give it time and wait it out, or eventually you'll get over this. Don't keep talking about her. You should be more focused on who is here. 
you know, face reality, she's dead, you need to move on to another relationship. And these, these are just examples of some of the comments that people will make uh, unintentionally or even, unco- you know, subconsciously not even aware that they're uncomfortable with their own issues surrounding death, dying, and bereavement. And that kind of gets projected onto the other person. What ends up happening there is the individual is, as I mentioned, they're, they're unable to grieve openly. And these this unsolicited advice or discouraging of communication or expression of the emotions uh, definitely can prolong the grieving process and make it so that the person is not able, as I was talking about a little bit earlier, reintegrate that loss into who they are. Mm-hmm. So the kind of comments that are, that are, well, the advice I can give in regard to being a little, you know, a lot more supportive is let the person talk about his or her feelings without trying to fix them. And understand that bereavement is not a linear process. And I I imagine we'll be getting to that as well, a little bit about the misconceptions about what the grieving process looks like. Mm -hmm. Uh, If the person is grieving and it's upsetting you, find a way to talk to another person and work through your own issues. Mm-hmm. surrounding that and that's Val- a bit that's big right there that's though. huge that's, that's huge. huge absolutely that is huge i yeah. mean and you know people take their grieving into the workplace oh you know what one of the courses in this bereavement certificate program actually is called bereavement in the workplace uh-huh and that's because it is so overlooked i mean you are not getting paid time off to go and mourn the loss of your colleague that you could have been sitting next to for 40 years right while, you know, you may be closer to that individual than you are your own siblings. Right. So complete, again, a disenfranchised loss in which the relationship isn't even recognized. And, 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 you know, part of this really is, I mean, this is, a, this is a huge conversation because there's a ripple effect to this. You know, there's a ripple effect in terms of, you know, how we continue to function, both our psychological and our physical health are around what we hold and we carry forward. Uh, and, and I know you address that in, in, in the work that you do. I mean, we're talking about, again, uncomplicated and complicated bereavement. Um, and, you know, the question is, uh, do we even understand what uncomplicated and complicated it is? And as an individual, what should we be paying attention to? That is a fantastic question. And you're right. We do not have it clear. And there's a lot of misconceptions of what should and should not be done or be the uh, experience and the expression of bereavement. And what we know is that in uncomplicated bereavement, that the responses to the loss fall into six different categories. Uh, That includes physical, such as uh, change in appetite, change in sleeping patterns, and so on. The emotional component, which can include sorrow, guilt, loneliness, anger, and so forth. The cognitive, which could be changes in memory, poor concentration and attention. Uh, followed by behavioral, which could be crying, avoiding reminders of the per- about the loss and about the person. There's interpersonal challenges, such as isolating oneself from their support system. And, and of course, we can't ignore the spiritual component of loss. I mean, this really brings in the existential component of who we are as human beings. And this loss of meaning that can occur, or a loss of faith, or even an increase in faith, can be the response to a loss. And I don't think we pay attention. No. I don't think we pay attention to all the ways that bereavement comes out. And I think that we have a lot of shoulds and shouldn't. And I think that's unfortunate because it really makes people feel as if not only are they grieving, but now they think they're grieving incorrectly. And they're grieving with shame. 
Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's kind of like, uh, well, maybe I shouldn't be crying in the office today, or maybe I shouldn't be crying on the radio today. Uh, I want to mention to our to our listeners that uh, we've got a special special gift for those of you that are calling to the show. We've got copies of handouts on uncomplicated and complicated bereavement responses, and we've got copies of a handout on disenfranchised bereavement. So we'd love to get some information on who you are and also find out what your questions are um you know the 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 number to call in 1-800-930-2819 1-800-930-2819 one of the things um that i wanted to ask you about uh, dr christina was this idea of time this idea i mean you talk about disenfranchised this idea that you know yeah you lost that person but boy You've really grieved them long enough. How do we know what's long enough? I mean, you know, is there the time police on death out there right now that's kind of like, okay, time's up. You're not going to really mourn the death of your child anymore. Yeah, that's it. That's all you get is a year. <laughs> it's, it's really remarkable. I mean, we, I have treated many patients in which I've had to bring in their family members and say, look, Three months is not even nearly enough time to wrap your mind around the fact that the person's even gone right mm-hmm. now and to kind of explain ways of being supported. Take, put, take this into consideration. All right. All right. So you, you've lost somebody, right? Yeah. And you've got... A, I lost got, my mother when I was seven, by the way. And see, and that's, that's a massive loss at such an early age because it's such a formidable period of time in your development all the way through. And every time you move through different developmental stages, you have to reprocess that loss based on where you are in your life and how that, what that means to you in relation not only to yourself but other people and your relationships with other people. It really is. It's, so it, it's really important to realize that grieving doesn't stop. It's not that you relinquish your relationship with the person who has died. You relocate that bond in another way. And we really have this un necessary and uh, inappropriate belief that you're supposed to let the person go and move on. Yeah, exactly. No, that's it. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? That's a societal expectation that is not held across other societies. That is a misconception that came from early, early on in, for example, in psychology that encouraged what they call decathexis or pulling away your energy away from the person so you can make it available for future relationships. It's not that you relinquish it, as I mentioned, entirely. It just, you, that person, it's kind of like saying, he holds a special place in my heart. You know, I lost my brother in 1999. That's mm-hmm. kind of how I got into all of this. Uh-huh. And what I've noticed even my own bereavement process is that my relationship with my brother has shifted over the years. But I certainly have not relinquished my relationship with him. And what we understand as well, and I started going into this, this, this first year where you're even just trying to wrap your mind around the fact that I have to not only deal with the emotional component of my loss, but I have to deal with reconstructing my life around how this has changed logistically. Right. So I have to oscillate between, you know, dealing with the emotional component and then pulling my life back together. Mm-hmm. That second year, now you're coming up around all the anniversaries, wow. all the holidays, all the birthdays, wow. all the dates. And these are called anniversary reactions. And you'll find that people respond to these 
and you don't even understand why they're being touchy about it. Let's hold that. Let's hold that thought for a minute and, and, and talk about this when we come back from break. Because I wanted to ask you, Dr. Christina, do we even understand that we're having a reaction? Is there something that, you know, we just know we woke up today on the wrong side of the bed. We're going to be talking about that and much more right here on the Dr. Pat Show. If you've got a comment or question, give us a call, 1-800-930-2819. Very special guest, Dr. Christina Zanfatella. We'll be right back. Bellagenza. Extraordinary hair care provides professional results naturally. Bella Genza is proud to be the first and original in this category. A line of products that's human-friendly and performs beyond professional standards. Safe, food-grade products that exceed expectations, give great results, and have your well-being in mind. Until now, natural products in salons meant underperformance or at best, a trade-off between being good for the environment but giving less than ideal results. Bella Genza's products are good for you and the environment. Bella Genza's 8-ounce bottle of incredible shampoo is equivalent to a 20-ounce bottle of professional shampoo because Bella Genza starts with a base of aloe rather than water. Visit BellaGenza.com. That's B-E-L-E-G-E-N-Z-A.com. Integrative practitioners, are you looking to improve your holistic approach to wellness? Develop the health coaching skills your clients need. The Center for Integrative Health has made earning your health coaching certificate accessible and in a format designed with you in mind. Completely online, the one-course-a-month format allows you to focus on both your clients and your education. You can complete the certificate in as little as eight months and earn graduate credit from a regionally accredited institution. Financial aid is available. Visit centerforintegrativehealth.org for the National University System Center for Integrative Health. That's centerforintegrativehealth.org or call 800-NAT-UNIV to learn more. That number again is 800-NAT-UNIV. Are you going through a divorce or are you single again? A 24-7 resource center called FreshStartAfterDivorce.com has been created to support you during and after divorce. It's packed with resources, articles, and tips from experts nationwide. As a business personal coach who specializes in divorce and founder of the National Association of Divorce for Women and Children, Joni Winberg's mission is to provide the support and encouragement you need to move your life forward. You don't have to face this challenging time alone. Go to FreshStartAfterDivorce.com. It's a new day. Join intuitive coach Don Marie Stansfield every Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on KKNW AM 1150. Don Marie focuses on the self-empowerment of individuals by examining present-day circumstances. She offers practical tools you can use to help overcome difficult situations and move forward on your life path. Learn more at DawnsVision.com and catch It's a New Day with Don Marie Stansfield, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific. Alternative Talk 1150 is on the interwebs. Dial us up at 1150kknw.com. Yes, 
everybody. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Boy, you know that song. You know what that song reminds me of? What's that? The show Medium that was on last night. They played oh, it throughout that show. Yeah, I missed that episode. Oh, you missed it. But, <laughs> you know, again, talk about death and dying. That's a whole nother conversation. Uh, and we've certainly talked about that. We've talked about the spirit of things. Joining me today is Dr. Christina Zampatella. She's joining me here. We have a big, con- this is a big conversation, folks. It really is. And I want to make sure you know that we're love to take your call and your comment because this is an opportunity to really talk about perhaps what's going on your mind or talk about uh, an issue that you may or may not have that you don't want to continue. If you want to find out more about the the National University System, I I want to make sure you have the website www.cih.nusystem.org. Um, and we'll talk more about the center in a minute, but cih.nusystem.org. Because, you know, there are, as I said before, there's a whole platform of education and certification that you all can get. I mean, this is a way for you, those of you, many of you that are healers right out there right now listening to the show, there's an opportunity for you to actually look at what bereavement is and get some higher education around it. Uh, Dr. Christina, of course, is joining me here today. Um, we have a caller. Why don't we go to the phones first and then we'll pick up our conversation. How does that sound, Dr. Uh, Zampatella? Yeah, that sounds good. All, All right, right, Benny. Let's bring on Lisa. She has a good question for us. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to the show. Lisa, are you there? Lisa. Did we lose you, Lisa? I wonder if she's on speaker or something like that. Are you on mute? <laughs> All right, well, let me go back in the room. Okay, Lisa, when you come on, <laughs> just get, shout at us. Uh, Benny will check it out. And while we're waiting for Lisa and her question, I want to get back to what we were talking about because, you know, you know this is a big conversation. And we're talking and we're usually, you know, we don't usually talk about some of the technical language or technical terms that we're talking about today. The bottom line to all of this, uh, Dr. Christina, is that this is what's going on. And there is a benefit to recognizing it. And then if, if you don't recognize it or the people around you don't, what the heck are you going to do about it? So, you know, how do we process, synthesize? How do we really move on with our lives? I think it's important to realize that you have to reconstruct your life. Mm. You have to figure out who you are now in relation to that loss. So what does that mean, right? I think if we start being able to look at the loss and say, you know, if it wasn't for that loss, I wouldn't have learned you know, blah, 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 or I would not have been able to accomplish this or learn this about myself. What we're talking about here is meaning making. If you're not getting to a point where you're able to make meaning from a loss, you have to start asking yourself why. Is it that you're moving into a complicated, you know, bereavement response? And what I mean by complicated bereavement is that there's an excessive form of grief that overwhelms the person constantly and it can lead to very unproductive and maladaptive behaviors such as you know substance abuse it can lead to you know excessive major depression and it's not only that it's unusual but it's unhealthy and it's also also culturally norms we really have to take into consideration not only one's cultural values but also their spiritual beliefs and it's just really a matter of intensity and this can come out in, in several different ways. One is that it can be chronic, where you are in a constant state of bereavement 
for a long period of time that is above and beyond what would be considered uh, healthy. And you've got delayed where somebody maybe doesn't respond to a loss. And then later on when they have another loss, not only are they grieving the new loss, but they're grieving Mm -hmm. the old loss all at the same time. So it becomes really overwhelming for the person. You've got an exaggerated response where somebody maybe doesn't have the uh, emotional or psychological strength to kind of deal with that loss and phobias can occur and it's really over the top even for their cultural beliefs. And then finally, you've got people who will mask their bereavement responses. And you'll see this in some people who tend to express their losses through or their, their, their feelings about the loss through their bodies. For example, talk about a mind-body connection, right? Uh, for example, they could end up with an ulcer or they could end up with migraine headaches, but they're not identifying those responses as having anything to do with the loss. So it becomes masked. Mm. Well, and you know, when we're talking about becoming masked, we're really talking about stuffing it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and we carry these in our, at the cellular level throughout our lives. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, part of this is knowing when you're really carrying the load and when you need to get some help. But I, I honestly don't know that we have enough professionals in this, in, in this country and here in the United States that really know how to do this. And really, that's really the program that we're talking about with you. Um, so that professionals can get more educated, can get to the place where they know how to handle these kinds of losses. You are saying something that's really important right now. You know, in hospices and palliative care, we have a significant amount of people that are highly trained in working with bereavement. Mm -hmm. But you go outside of that. If you go to hospitals, doctors and nurses, less than 18% of medical doctors require even a rotation that even addresses anything about loss, which blows my mind. I mean, they're right there in the hospital, right? Right. In uh, psychology programs, doctoral level, even master's level, there is no requirement right. to take a, a... Everybody who's walking in your office has something to do with bereavement. Even if it's a loss of happiness, right? it is not recognized as being a specialty, and it becomes overlooked, and people end up being disenfranchised even by their own therapist, for example. And that's the, the, the bereavement certificate program is important because not only is it geared towards the helping professional, but it's also accessible to the general public. So let's say that you have a loss, but you're not really interested in in working with other people. You just want to know a little bit more about yourself and understand Mm -hmm. what experience you have had. It is also accessible to to anybody in that situation. So it, you know, this is the only certificate program on the West Coast in bereavement that has anything to do with any university. And that goes to show you that not only is death denial in our culture, but it is filtered all the way down through our educational system. I, I got to tell you, you do not have to be a rocket scientist. <laughs> you don't to figure out that there's something wrong with especially, you know, some of the advanced uh, degrees in psychology that they don't have a requirement. I mean, you hear more right now. Don't even get me started on this topic. <laughs> you hear you hear more right now about positive psychology than you ever have. I mean, is is the APA in denial? <laughs> you know, that's a great question. They're going to call me and withdraw my application. <laughs> they're going to withdraw my membership. Uh, the, the entire field of psychology was in denial up until the beginning of the 70s. I mean, yeah. it wasn't even until, and we haven't even talked about this, but 
you know, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who came out right. with these stages. Do you know those stages of bereavement were based on the experiences of the dying? Were never even meant for people who are in the bereavement process. Right. But we were so hungry to try to understand what was going on with the bereaved that we ended up taking this theory of, oh, you have to go through, <laughs> you know, denial, anger, depression, bargaining, this, this whole thing. We were so hungry to try to understand that we, we just applied it. And, it what you know, even in the late 70s, she said, knock it off. It doesn't fit. And you know what I love about this? You know, I don't know that we were hungry. I think that part, and she did say knock it off. She did. And we paid no attention no to attention. her whatsoever. Because nope. don't you think the bottom line is that finally somebody said, all of us, we're kind of walking around, we're saying, oh, my gosh, somebody actually talked about something none of us really want to talk about. Right. And even though it's really not fit for this, we're we're going to use it. You know why? Because we don't want to talk about it. <laughs> right, exactly. And, it, you know, they, they've made a lot of progress in regard to trying to understand the process of bereavement. Mm -hmm. um, we know it's much more cyclical. We know that it is a psycho-spiritual experience. Right. Psycho, you know, psychological, sociological, spiritual experience. And uh, we also know that we cannot be linear. You cannot tell somebody if you do not experience anger you're not going through your bereavement process correctly there's nothing worse than being told you're doing something incorrectly in right. regard to that while you're also in right. a significant amount of emotional turmoil i actually had a counseling session like that now you get really getting me started <laughs> you know i actually did i thought you know what i've got a i've got a doctorate in psychology why don't i go you know just check out and you know get some help and support and you know and i went through, it's this is you must have been in the room because i went through the <laughs> process and and the person actually took me through these stages as if i didn't know them right but took me through the stages and 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 asked me what are you doing with your anger i said i'm not angry and, you know, she just looked at me and, and, and said, you have to be angry. Uh, I, I, I was like, I, I don't think I'm angry. By the time I was done a half hour into this, I was so pissed off. I didn't know what to do. You're like, now but I'm not angry. At the death. <laughs> <laughs> but not at the death. It was right, a, right. And what she turned around to me and said, see, I told you you're angry. We're going to take a short break <laughs> when we come back. I'll tell you the ups and downs of what to do with your loss. And, you know, what this show is about today is threefold. One, it's about providing you with education and information to let you know that whatever process you're in, honor it. The other thing is, if you want to become more educated, we've got the place for you to do that. And thirdly, remember to respect the process of another. When we come back, uh, Dr. Christina is... Dr. Christina uh, Zampatella and I are going to be talking about the family, what to do when your family doesn't support it, or what to do when your family is in such grief and thinks you should be. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. Uh, talk radio to thrive by. Steve, share it with me. Hypnosis has been scientifically verified to stimulate desired changes in behavior, such as weight loss, smoking cessation, and pain control. Learn the latest hypnosis techniques and receive your certificate in clinical hypnotherapy at the February 20th through 22nd weekend event in Seattle. Call 800-800-MIND and mention the Dr. Pat Show when you call. Visit hypnosis.com, the empowerment partnership at American Pacific University. Whatever you think you are, you're more than that. Perf Gold Green, biodegradable by nature. 
green by choice. Traditional trash bags stay in our landfills and pollute the earth for over 800 years or more. Perfco green trash bags disappear naturally within two years and leave nothing harmful behind. Convert your home, school, and business to Perfco green. Now available at Walgreens, Amazon.com, Office Max, and other local stores. Visit PerfGoGreen.com. That's P-E-R-F-GoGreen.com. Can you imagine a world where noodles are calorie-free? For centuries, Japanese women have eaten these noodles. Used in soups and other dishes in Japan, these miracle noodles have been highly regarded as a health food that's good for the intestines and for weight loss. Now they're available here at MiracleNoodle.com. As seen on ABC News, Miracle Noodles have zero net carbs and zero calories. You don't have to give up noodles anymore. Just add these noodles to your dishes, dramatically lowering calories while still enjoying your food. Low-calorie dishes are made easy by including Miracle Noodles, and the whole family will enjoy eating them. Just use Miracle Noodles in place of carbs in a meal to reduce calories easily and dramatically. Now you know why it's called Miracle Noodle. Add noodles back into your diet now, guilt-free at MiracleNoodle.com. That's MiracleNoodle.com. MBSConnect.com, Mind Body Soul Connect, is an innovative and interactive wellness resource company. The mission of MBS Connect is to help America be well by providing easy access to progressive programs, products, and providers. MBS Connect is building networks of wellness providers nationwide using all types of modalities who want to be part of the wellness revolution. To find a provider in your area, call 888-398-9287 or visit mbsconnect.com. Performance Velocity brings you the breakthrough human performance formula. ETA equals R, where energy intelligence is the key competency for the successful business leader. Are you ready for this emerging trend? You can ignite leadership, accelerate execution, and deliver peak performance every time. Performance Velocity can help you, your management team, or your company. Call 303-744-2464. Human performance is their business. Visit performancevelocity.com and start getting results now. You're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. I couldn't help but notice your pain. My pain? It runs deep. Share it with me. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. I'm so thrilled. Dr. Christina Zampatella joining me here today, the recipient of the Outstanding Doctor of Clinical Psychology from the California School of Professional Psychology at Alliant International University. She serves as the chair of the Continuing Education Committee for the San Diego Psychological Association. She's joining me here today as a major player, a major player to educate and inform and help each and every one of us understand the empowerment process of bereavement. Uh, Dr. Christina, one of the things I mentioned before we went to break, and I want to make sure that I take a minute, the website, if you want to find out more about this, everyone, go to www.cih.nusystem.org. Lots of information. What I, what I was talking about before break was this idea that, uh, y- you know, how do you figure out when you need help? What happens when your family and your friends are trying to push you through something? Uh, y- you know, they want you to break that bond. They want you to be like, look, get over it. She died when you were seven. What do we do? That, that's a great question. Yeah, again, going, you know, in our social circles, 
other people's belief systems about what they think you should do with your loss can really complicate your own understanding of what to do with your own grief process. There's a lot of risk factors that are tied up into that that could lead into complicated bereavement. That disenfranchisement that you're speaking of right now, that, that certainly is a prime example of a, a risk factor. We have other risk factors such as losing a parent at a very early age, just like you mentioned. We have, if you are a parent, what we know is that one of the most high-risk losses for complicated bereavement is the loss of a child. We have, if you're, if you're acting as a strong one in the family, or if you have a sudden unanticipated death, multiple deaths at the same time, you know, a history of abuse in your family. There's so many different risk factors. And then if you tie that into the familial dynamics that these risk factors may be system-wide in the family, now you've got people who have their, their own agenda for what they think should happen in regard to the bereavement responses of the other people in the family. When you lose somebody in the family, the, the way that the family operates has to shift. So let me give you an example. Okay. Let's say we, we lose a father in the family, mm -hmm. and you've got three kids. Uh, the oldest one is a 12-year-old boy, for example. Mom has to go to work because somebody's got to bring in money. Who do you think is going to have to take on more of a head of household responsibility, right? Right. There's the shift in the family. Now you've got siblings that are no longer really siblings, but right. you've got siblings that have an older brother who's acting like a parent. Right. It's and the ripple effect of this. It's really. A, absolutely. So how do we know if somebody needs to get support? I think it's really important to realize that when people aren't adjusting to the new roles in their lives and they're not operating in their lives in a way that allows them to uh, get on with having meaning in their lives and being able to do things productively and slowly be able to have less of an intense reaction to the loss on a consistent daily basis. When you start seeing those types of responses over a prolonged period of time, it's, it's about time to go get some help. And you have to be very cautious where you're getting your help. Mm -hmm. um, you Getting help from a support group is a fantastic idea. Okay, Getting help from a professional who is specialized in death, dying, and bereavement. And you, you said it best when you said certified in thanatology, which is a certification in uh, death, dying, right. and bereavement specialist. Uh, you, can, you can look that up. Getting support from uh, friends and family that, that are able to provide you with that space to be able to talk about your loss without trying to, quote-unquote, fix it in any way. These are important ways of dealing with the losses. And I really think... We cannot work with people in isolation. If you've got somebody that's coming into your office or into your life that is trying to wrap their minds around the loss and how their role has changed in the world, uh, if you have an opportunity to also work with the family, if you're a professional, to work with the family as well, to try to get everybody on the same page and work as a team versus looking at each other across the fence and pointing fingers and saying, you know, you're not doing this now and you're not doing that. We have to get everybody on the same side of the fence and look at what the problem is and have people focus on what the problem is and then restructure the family in a way that's the healthiest for everybody. Help them move on. Well, and, you know, one of the things that I think we're talking about is, is help them move on. It doesn't mean to dismiss 
right. what an individual's process is. Right. Uh, you know, and, and moving on is not according to your standard or right. my standard, but moving on is really such an individual perspective to come from. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk about, in, in, and thank you again for joining us here on what is a very, very powerful show. One of the things that I did want to talk with you about has to do with this continuing, the continued bonding and ritual. And I wanted to take a minute to address this because so many of us believe in the ritual, whether it is a celebration, whether it's a burning ceremony, whether it's spreading ashes over the water, it is a ritual. But that ritual doesn't necessarily mean I'm not going to bond with you. I'm not going to think about you. And it's I don't hear your voice anymore. I hear your voice every day. What can we say about this? Ritual is an incredible and powerful way of maintaining continued bond with the person who has deceased, who has who passed. And what we know is that rituals can be utilized for many different reasons. One, it can be used to kind of separate yourself out from the individual, but still remain connected with that person. It could be a ritual of reconnection where you attend, like, for example, let's say that is the anniversary of that person's death. Mm -hmm. And maybe you find a way to ritualize and remember that individual. You're talking about a continued bond. And the concept of continued bond was that actual term just came about in the 1990s, which is a little disconcerting Uh if you think about it. (laughs) I mean, we certainly do it. There's spontaneous rituals all over the place, and there's rituals within religious Uh, belief systems uh, across the board, and some are a little bit more ritualized than others. If you have a ritual, what you do is you create a space in which it's safe to express your feelings in a way that's contained within the, the actual logistics of the ritual. Let me put that in English. If you go and you put aside time, to go and reconnect with this individual. You know that you're able to kind of put aside the rest of your life for that moment and focus your rela- focus on the relationship with the deceased in one way or another, whatever you're attempting to do. If you create that space for that, you're able to put your feeling into that, and it feels a little bit more manageable. If you maintain ritual across the lifespan in, which, in whichever way it allows you to have this continued thread throughout your life, you've got yourself a bond that stretches over time, which means you don't have to relinquish it. It just allows you to have the space to do so in a safe way that doesn't interfere with your functioning. Mm. What a beautiful, beautiful gift to give people, the work that you do. Thank you. Well, I want to thank you for joining us here today. I know we've given out the university's website, but if people want to find out more about you, uh, Dr. Uh, Zampatello, why don't you please give out your website as well? Sure, it's uh, www.integrativepsychservices.com. Great. What's your personal message for everyone today? Give yourself the, your own validation and give others the right to grieve the way mm-hmm. that they need to grieve and realize that a lot of your responses and the responses of other people are actually quite normal. Mm. 
Wow. Thank you so much for joining us here today. It's been my uh, pleasure. What a great, great show, great conversation. Remember to give yourself room to breathe. And when you breathe, you know, remember, as I did today in mentioning uh, the transition of uh, Pete Siegel, very dear friend of mine, the work that he does, he will truly be missed. And, you know, as I know, his message, his his help that he has provided to me and helping me figure out my own life all of that will live forever and it'll live in me and then it'll live beyond me thank you all for joining us here on the dr pat show talk radio to thrive by we'll see you tomorrow